just read you uh, this morning a, a number of a number of articles as I, uh, the research into this message, and predominantly that's what I want to just bring you out on. I want to bring you a, a, a number of just uh, what professionals are saying, what psychiatrists are saying. Uh, what they are dealing with in the, uh, in the message that I want to bring. And uh, the first article that I want to bring to you is called Coping with Depression. And uh, the writer says that there is no doubt that depression, long the leading mental illness of the United States, is now virtually epidemic, and suicide is, is its all-too-frequent outcome. And so you don't need to be a psychiatrist to, uh, to uh, see that and to understand that. Uh, this is what's happening in our nation today. It's an acceleration. It's what I, what I want to call a demonic acceleration in our generation today. And it's, it's built upon this, this spirit, this spirit of, of depression. Uh, his name is John Stott. He's considered uh, a theologian today. I don't know how many of his books that I have. Uh, 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 he stays uh, in touch with his generation and what's going on in our world today. And he said, the Christian's chief occupational hazards are depression and discouragement. Now, it's a little bit uh, ironic because in the house of God, that's what this is this morning as we're gathered together. It's God's house. And you would think that in God's house that 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 you wouldn't have to preach on discouragement and, and depression. But it's a, it's a very real issue, and the reason it's a very real issue is because discouragement is a spirit. Depression is a spirit. And no doubt, at any given point of time, in any Christian church in the world, there are good, strong, Bible-believing Christians that are being assaulted by exactly what I want to call a demon spirit of discouragement and depression. And at any given, any given point of time that, that they're struggling with this, and, and, you know, we all have our battles that we have to fight in life. The Bible says that we all have our cross that we have to bear. And so this is a reality of the Christian life and the Christian experience tonight. But, but where the struggle is, it's, it's a lot of times, you know, we believe that God delivers us from alcohol. How many of you got delivered from alcohol when you got saved? I mean, the minute I got saved, me who drank every day, the minute I got saved, I never drank again. How many of you got delivered from drugs? You got delivered from drugs. I got saved. The minute I got saved, I'd never smoked another joint. I never did any more drugs. And when I got saved, God delivered me. But where we need a breakthrough, and, and as God can give you a breakthrough in habits, where God can give you a breakthrough in your mind, is right here. Right here. It's because it's universal. At any given point of time, you are going to wrestle. You're going to deal with discouragement. You're going to deal with depression. And many, many good saints have struggled here for for months, if not years, to get a, to get a deliverance. And, and I believe that today is your day. I believe that. And the reason that I tell you that is because, see, it's our responsibility as believers to trust God. You know, I trust, I implicitly, I trust my wife. I trust my wife. I trust, I have friends in my life that I've learned, you know, life, you, how many understand, when you violate trust, that's a pretty big platform and very hard to rebuild once trust is, is, is destroyed in your life. But what we do is we trust God. We believe God, that, that God is able. It's not a preacher. It's not a church. It's God that brings the breakthrough. And God teaches us by his word to trust him. And that's why you're going to get a breakthrough this morning. Is because what you're going to do is you're going to plug your faith in. You're going to trust Jesus. And what God is going to do is, is the God that worked in the days of the Bible is going to work for you this morning. And he's going to bring you a breakthrough. 
For many of you, this is what you've been hearing. This is the voice that you have been putting up with. What's the use? It'll always be this way. It might work for others, but it will, it will never work for me. And do you understand this morning? You understand that is not the voice of God. That is not the voice of faith. And I want to bring you the voice of God. I want to bring you the word of God. Psalms chapter 42. If you have your Bibles, I want to uh, pick it up. Um, let's pick up our reading in verse number 5. Psalms 42. Verse number 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan. And from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God my rock... Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of mine enemy? God, I thank you, Father, for your presence, your power to save, heal, and deliver. And God, we come before you in faith, Lord. We're believing you for a breakthrough this morning. God, men and women tormented, assaulted by a spirit of discouragement and depression, and God, right now, Father, by the power of your name, we command the light of your gospel, God. Let it shine. Let it bring hope. Let it bring victory. Let it bring encouragement this morning. God, deliver us. Meet with us in this place. We give you praise in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you, first of all, this morning about the dangerous epidemic. And so we, uh, in our last couple of years now, we're very familiar with a word maybe that you weren't real familiar with before COVID, and this is the word epidemic. We understand things now that we say are of an epidemic nature. And what I want to talk about is it's something peculiar in our generation. Every generation that has ever lived. Every generation has had to deal with a depression. Every generation has had to deal with discouragement. But there's something unique happening. I mean, if, you, if you're in tune with what's going on in the world, not just in Bullhead City, but it's, it's national. It's, it's all over the world. It's an epidemic. And there are reasons for it. This skyrocketing epidemic of of depression and discouragement. You look at people, their lives, they seem to have everything together. You look at them and, 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 and you would never, never guess that their struggle and their problem is exactly what we're talking about. It's depression and discouragement in our generation that is just spinning quickly out of control. Statistics, and you're going to hear a lot of them this morning. I'm going to be reading a lot of statistics, articles, professional people. We're told that between 50 and 70,000 people take their lives every year. Every year they take their lives in suicide. And we know uh, between 50 to 70, we know that only a small percentage of those who actually try actually, actually commit suicide. In other words, there's a greater number of people that what they do is they consider suicide, but they just, they just don't follow through on it. 
The article estimates that uh, 8 million Americans suffer from untreated depression. The National Institute of Mental Health says 125,000 Americans are hospitalized annually with depression, whereas another 200,000 or more are treated by a psychiatrist. Dr. Nathan Klein of New York's Rockland State Hospital reports that many unrecognized cases of depression go untreated and estimates Estimates reach as high as four to eight million annually. And so all this is, is just uh, professional people, people that work in this particular field. And what they're talking about is they're talking about the millions of Americans that what they are is, is many of them, you can see their struggle. You can see the, the dark cloud, the darkness that they've entered in and discouragement and depression but how many more that you look at them and it seems like they've got life by the tail and, and everything you can't, you can't tell by looking at them. But on the inside, the, the demon that they fight is depression and discouragement. Even in church, even in church, this is God's house. This is God's house, as I said earlier. This is Sunday morning in church and if I was to ask right now, and I'm not going to ask, but if I was to ask for a show of hands, how many battle with bouts of severe depression, not depression, how many deal with severe bouts of depression and discouragement, I want to tell you, rare would be the hand that wouldn't go up. That wouldn't go up. And again, and again, see, we're believers in Jesus Christ. Which means that what we do is we understand that we operate in two worlds. We are, as a believer in Christ, you operate in a physical realm. You work, you've got a family, you've got a marriage, you pay taxes, you pay your bills. You operate in a physical realm, but we also understand that we operate in a spiritual realm. We also understand tonight that what we are dealing with is we're dealing with powers and principalities and we're, we're dealing with spiritual issues and so as believers in Jesus Christ, as men and women that are understanding the nature of spiritual things, I want to tell you there's, there's more behind depression and discouragement than just fueling the Prozac industry. You know, uh, all of these drugs that are prescribed, I mean, I mean it's a billion-dollar business. The, the, the medical field is capturing on this and it's making billions and billions of dollars because people have no answers for depression and discouragement. They're not dealing with the, the, the problem. They're just dealing with the symptoms. The ad said, the ad said, if you deal with three of these in a week, you might need meditation. If you deal with three of these in a week, you might need meditation. Feelings of sadness or irritability. Loss of interest or pleasure in activities you once enjoyed. Changes in appetite. Changes in sleep patterns. Feeling guilty, hopeless, or worthless. Inability to concentrate, remember things, or make decisions. Fatigue or loss of energy. Restlessness or decreased activity noticed by others? Thoughts of death or even desiring to die? I'm looking for the box that says, check if you have all of the above. <coughs> the article says if you have three of these, that you might need meditation. If you have three of these things that work in your life, then you might be suffering from depression. And so the reality is this, and, and much more so, I just really want to emphasize that much more so in the house of God, is every Christian believer on the face of the earth is a bullseye. Every man, woman of God that names the names of Jesus Christ, on your chest you have a bullseye. You, have, you, are a, you are a target from hell. I'm talking about a spirit, a demon spirit, what it is. It's a faith 
stealing. It is a zeal sapping. Let's call it what it is. It's a demonic assault. And it would be totally wrong for you to think that this is an issue that only weak people struggle with. This is only an issue that only weak believers wrestle with. Not so because it affects us all. What I want you to notice in our text that we read, in scriptures that we read, it's mentioned three times, once in verse 5, once in verse 6, and then another time in verse 11. And the Bible introduces us to a unique phrase, a unique term. It's the word cast down, cast down. And so the Hebrew definition of this term, cast down, it means to sink or to depress, to bend down or to become hollow. The Old Testament writer, the prophet Isaiah, this is how he describes it, how he describes this depression cast down. Isaiah 29 verse 8, it shall even be as when a hungry man dreams and behold he eats and he walks away but his soul is empty. Now, what we are is we're a congregation. We believe in fasting. And, and for periods of times, you know, we'll all be challenged to go on a three-day fast. And so we'll go on three days, you know, just drinking water, no eating food. Have you ever, have you ever been in the middle of a fast and you dreamt you were eating? Have you? Have you ever? Uh, some of you, you don't even have to fast to do that. You just... You just dream of eating, period, you know. And so this is what Isaiah is saying is he's talking about the emptiness of, of, of you know, you, you, you dream of eating, you're, you're hungry, you dream of eating, but you, you wake up and you're just, you're just, you're just empty. You're, you're, you're hungry. There's, there's, there's no fulfillment. You're, this is how he's describing your soul being cast down as you wake up and your soul is empty again. Now, this is dangerous to anybody, anybody that struggles with discouragement, anybody that struggles with depression, but especially to those that are believers in Jesus Christ. Because what it does, what depression does, is it attacks the root. It attacks the very root that gives that gives you the courage, the zeal, the faith, the, the spiritual stamina and energy to do what God has called us to do. I want you to understand as a believer in Christ this morning, our hands are full. Do you know what I mean by that? We have great responsibilities. Jesus is gone. Building the kingdom of God, he's laid that into our hands. That is our work. That is our responsibility. Your hands and minds are full, and, and the danger is to do what God has called us to do. Discouragement and depression, it robs us of the power and the strength and the ability to do what God's called us to do. It's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to be an example. It's hard to be a testimony for Jesus Christ when you're, when you're bowed down and in, in the slew of despond and, and worry and fatigue and doubt and unbelief. His name is, is, is not new to the church. His name is Tim LaHaye. In numbers of books that he, he wrote a book. Tim LaHaye wrote a book, How to Win Over Depression. How to win over depression. And Tim LaHaye writes, he says, not all depression is mental illness. Many people think of light stages of depression, which they call the blues, or as one woman said, I have the weeps. But they were all conscious that at times in their lives, they had been unhappy. And so, and so Tim LaHaye, this is a, a trusted, this is a, a well-informed writer, you know, in, the, in, the, in Christian circles. And what he's commenting on is he's just bringing us an understanding that there's a difference between unhappiness and mental illness. 
And, and but what he says, what he's saying is, is, however, he's saying even the mildest forms of depression dulls the sharpness of the keen edge of life. And so I think that's a very good description of what depression and discouragement, what it does to me, what it does to you, is what we're to be, is, is we're to have an edge to us. As believers in Christ, we're to have a sharp, cutting edge. And he says that this is what depression robs you of in the kingdom of God. So you have to understand this morning, I'm not just talking about weariness. I'm not talking about weariness. Even though depression sprouts powerfully from the soul of weariness, I'm not talking about weariness. I'm not talking about trials, even though trials flourish in the rich and the fertile soil of depression. Because if you understand the Christian life, there's, there's nobody in this building. Our lives are, are filled. There are trials. There are battles. There are enemies. There are discouragements. Listen, that's the universal Christian life. There's no place that you could go that you won't be fought. There is no place you could go that you won't be attacked in one shape, form, or another. But the issue is this. If, if, if not dealt with quickly and powerfully, what discouragement can turn into, it can turn into a full-fledged demonic assault. You can't allow it to stay. I mean, we all know depression, we all know discouragement, but you cannot allow it to find a nest in your mind. You cannot allow it to build a nest in your home. You've got to recognize it for what it is. And you as a believer in Jesus Christ, you cannot let it stay. Because if you let it stay, if you allow it to linger, it turns into a full-on frontal demonic assault. I have just said a, a mouthful. If you let it stay, it grows. If you let it stay, it develops. It matures. Verse 9. I want you to see verse 9 in our text. It says, I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy. And there's great wisdom for the Bible, for the man, woman of God that has the ability to see that. The Bible is telling us that discouragement and depression, what it is, it's, it's a tool of the devil. It's, it's, it's the devil oppressing you. It's the enemy oppressing you. Do you see it? Do you see it? I want to be very clear here. I'm not talking about the run-of-the-mill discouragement. I'm not talking about, you know, run-of-the-mill, your, your average, ordinary case of depression. The word literally means uh, to exercise dominion over, to, to vex with mental tyranny. That something exercises a mental tyranny. Something has dominion over you that, that oppresses you. You're oppressed of the enemy. Demonized is the same word. Demonized. Demonized. And what I'm talking about is I'm talking about something that is deadly to your faith in Jesus Christ. Do you understand? Depression does not help you discouragement it does not it does that's not fuel for your faith in Christ to grow it is exactly the opposite one author he talks about the downward spiral the depression and discouragement leads you to that that happens to God's people uh, you know can I can I tell you there's things in my life. I got saved in 1977. I've been praying for things in my life since that time that have not been fulfilled yet. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? I'm praying today for things still that I, that I, that I prayed for in the late 70s. And I've yet to see the fulfillment. And I've yet to see the answer. 
And, and so this writer is talking about the downward spiral that Christian believers go into when they don't see things happening in their life that they want to see. We all want to see things. We all want to see God do things in our life. And, and sometimes the downward path it puts us on when we don't see, when God doesn't do what we want him to do in our lives. Listen to what the writer says. Notice the downward spiral from the normal emotions of life to a spiritual, to an all-out spiritual assault. A passive or listless feeling, sadness, an attitude of nothing seems to matter, a feeling of helplessness, an attitude of, of feeling nothing is ever going to get better. This is assaulted faith, an idea that no one cares or no one understands. This is the devil, a sense of rejection which is a spirit of fear and an emotion, finally, of I would be better off dead. And so what he's describing there is the, is the downward spiral that believers go on. You're full of faith. You're believing God. You don't see come to pass what you want to see come to pass. And then, and then depression and discouragement. And then finally, he says, it all culminates where you think, I would be better off dead. Now, before you say, you know, Pastor, you know, I've never, I've never said that. I've never thought that I would be better off dead. Moses said it. Elijah said it. Jonah said it. These are men that need no introduction. To them. These are the great leaders in the Bible. But yet they came to a place in life where they were so discouraged that said, it's better off for me that I would be dead. Why is it that this generation today is so susceptible to depression? Every generation's had it, folks. There's no generation that, that has never had depression. But see, it's not in the epidemic stages that it is today. I mean, we're talking about young kids, teenagers, depressed in their teenage years. I uh, had an article about, uh, you know, talking about violence and talking about sexual sin, disrespect, uh, the overall rebellion of our generation today. And the conclusion of the matter of this article, this, the writer says the problem, the problem with these kids is, is, is too much self-esteem. Too much self-esteem. And, and, and our, our, our world has taken this to ridiculous levels. I, I, I remember complaining, you know, when it first began to happen, when, when every kid in sports, everybody got a trophy. I mean, back in the day when that first came out, I mean, they, when my boys were in sports, they just gave them a trophy for playing sports. It's like, you ain't taking that trophy. A trophy is for doing something. But this is, this is symptomatic of our generation. Our generation has taken this to ridiculous level. This is a generation that, that loves itself. And you've got to be in touch with yourself. And you've got to be sensitive to yourself. And as a result, this is a generation that quits very quickly. Quits very quickly. This is the generation that pouts. This is the generation that expects everything to be handed to them on a silver platter. And therefore, they're discouraged very easily, very quickly. They have a hard time dealing with life and processing life. A generation ago, our fathers won World War II, and they came home, and they went right back to work. This generation today goes to war, comes home, claims PTSD, so they never have to work again. So the government can foot their bills all the days of their life. Listen, this produces, this produces soft men. 
And so, you know, I, I guess lotion is okay, but see, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about soft men. I don't know. Maybe you're a woman that would like to marry a soft man. Maybe all your life. Yeah, God gave me a soft man. I was making an order on Amazon the other day. I saw, I saw that men, you can buy pantyhose for men. That hurts my brain. That just hurts my brain. You know, I, I fear for the younger men of this generation. This generation and what, what kind of men our generation is producing today, soft men, men who are easily discouraged, easily dismayed. And I want to tell you because it's a generation that loves itself. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? Two scriptures. Luke 7, 31. And the Lord said, Whereunto shall I like, liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace, calling one to another, and saying, We have piped to you, and you have not danced. We have mourned for you, and you have not wept. They're like children who are playing and they get mad because, you know, you didn't do what I asked you to do. That's what that scripture is talking about. It's talking about men that are being soft men. You, 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 you throw a hissy fit because you can't get what you want. And then Paul says in these last days, that often quoted scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2. This know you also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. And men shall be lovers of their own selves. I'm going to tell you, that's the root of depression. That is the root of discouragement. When you, when you melt it down, and, and I understand sometimes there can be imbalances in the brain. I understand that. I understand a, a medical viewpoint. We, we understand that. We believe in doctors. We understand, you know, somebody sneezes on you. Chances are good you're going to get a cold. There's nothing spiritual about that. But we also understand that there are spiritual reasons for sickness and infirmity. And one of the spiritual reasons of depression and discouragement is, 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 is people that are in love with themselves. This is the generation that says, don't confront me. Don't correct me. I will not be challenged. You're judging me. Why? Why do we say things like this? I'll tell you why we say things like that. It's because we want to live life on our own terms. But as a Christian... You can't live life on your own terms. You live life on his terms. You live life on God's terms. Listen to these quotes that tie depression into self-love or, or self-obsession. And once again, you know, these are, these are psychiatrists. These are medical personnel that study that study the mind, study sickness and depression. No one enjoys depression, though everyone has fallen victim to it in his lifetime. Some experience more than others, depending on how much self-pity he's indulged in. Depression is not a consequence of body chemistry, other people, or the pressures of life, but our own mental attitude towards those pressures which induce this. Looking into the face of a typical depression case, I could not help but notice how typical her case was. To begin with, she was predominantly melancholy in temperament. Consequently, she was negative, sensitive, and occupied with herself. Now, this is not a spiritual perspective. This is not a Christian writing. 
What it is, is it's, it's a medical doctor, and what they're talking about is they're dealing with, 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 uh, with depression and discouragement, and they bring, up some, they bring up some very vital, vital symptoms, and he talks about self-pity, which ties into love of self. And then the typical case, she was melancholy and, te- melancholy and temperament. Consequently, she was negative, sensitive, occupied with herself. And that's why she struggled. The common thread in depression is self-frustrated, self-discouraged. Let's talk for a moment about depression's target. Now, the devil will use this tool. It's a powerful weapon. It's a powerful spiritual weapon. The devil will use it against God's people, against God's church. He used it, as, used it against those soldiers that are on God's front lines. You know, I got saved, and I, and I made up my mind very early in life. God got a hold of my heart. I didn't want to be a preacher. I didn't, you know... You know, before I got saved, my, I definitely didn't think that I, I wanted to grow up. I, I want to be a preacher. But I got saved, and, and, and I wanted to do what, I wanted to obey God. I wanted to do what God had called me to do. And so when God touches your life, what he does is he, is he calls you to the front lines to do something for God. That's what our church is. So if you'll look around you, I mean, you can't tell. You have no idea. That man next to you, they want to do something for God. That woman next to you. What makes them different is they want to do something for God. And see, this spiritual attack of depression and discouragement, it will always be on God's workers. It will always be on the front lines and the harvest fields. And can I suggest that what you're going through, you're going through something more than just a bad day. It's not just a bad day. There's a demonic assault behind people problems. There's a demonic assault behind sickness. A demonic assault behind temptation and lust. Long-term battles. The Bible describes weapons formed against you. This literally means a fashioned instrument with your name on it. A fashioned instrument created to bring you down. So for a moment, can you stop and can you think about your Achilles heel for a moment? Can you stop and think about what is your particular weakness in life? And now as a believer in Jesus Christ, can you see it as a perfectly formed weapon that the devil has crafted against you? Can you see it? If anyone, if anyone knows your frailties, if anybody knows your weaknesses, if anybody knows your vulnerabilities, can I tell you, it's the enemy of your soul. There are no accidental battles, no accidental skirmishes. The devil does everything he possibly can to put out your fire. He does everything he can to discourage you. And on the other hand, God does everything he can to what? To encourage you. To lift up your head. Discouragement is not a trial. It's a demonic assault that's aimed at destroying your faith in Jesus Christ. Discouragement is a silent killer. It's a silent killer of your faith. It's a silent, what it is, it's a spiritual disease. And where does this disease center? In your emotions. In your emotions. In your feelings. The writer says emotions are always looking for a foothold in discouragement 
And discouragement is always looking for a foothold in your emotions. In your life, when things are not going your way, when your will is frustrated, when your dreams and plans are not coming to pass, when bad things happen, can I tell you, your faith in Jesus Christ is being targeted. Working with people is a real problem, isn't it? Working with people will try your faith. You know, I never worked with people until I got saved. I didn't try to help people until I got saved. When I got saved, when I got saved, I started helping people. I started wanting to see new converts make it. I started working with people. And I'm telling you, you're in for a revelation when you start working with people. Somebody said you can have revival if it wasn't for people. People can frustrate you. People can weary you. How many of you know people can get on your last nerve? This is a scenario. You get saved. You get involved in ministry. You want to help other people make heaven your home. And now for the first time in God only knows how long, now you're starting to, for maybe for the first time in your life, you're starting to work with people. People are difficult. People are hard. And before you say people are difficult and people are hard, look in a mirror. Because you are chief. We're difficult. We're hard. Not everybody in your band is your kind of people. Not everybody in your drama team or your cup of tea. And you know what happens is, you know, God's people on the front lines trying to help people. And then you have people problems and then you get discouraged. How many have ever wanted to quit? How many have ever said, who needs this, man? I don't need this. See, I'm talking about a spiritual assault against what? Your faith in Jesus Christ. There's a spiritual assault against the people of God. It's, it's ancient. It's found all the way back in the book of Daniel. You've read it many times. Daniel 7.25. And he shall wear out the saints of the Most High God. That's the devil's strategy. To wear you out. To wear you out. This is a long-term strategy. This wear you out, it means to afflict, to oppress, to torment your mind. The devil's strategy in discouragement and depression, it's a long-term strategy. In other words, he aims to just wear on you, wear on you, wear on you, wear on you. And then when you wake up, he wears on you again. And the reason, because if he can discourage you now in the present, he can abort your future. If he could stop you now, he could stop you from what God wants you to become. And so if he can wear on you to the point of quitting, oh, there's people in here, you're thinking about quitting. The attack is against your faith in Jesus Christ. So I want to close. I just want to close with the Bible. The Bible answer. I've never been to a psychiatrist. I, I've, never, I've, never, I've never been on a couch. And Tell me about your mom and your dad. <laughs> I've never been there. But I do trust Jesus. And, and his word, his word, the word of God, my mom tried to change me. She's, my mom said, you know what we need to do is we need to, put you in the military because you're in too much trouble. And I tried to join up for the Air Force and they would not take me. They said, no, no, no. no. 
Depression is the surrender to the worst part of your personality. That's what self-pity is. It's you surrendering. Luke, I am your father. Come to the dark side. Depression is the surrender of your will to self-pity, to the worst side of your personality. Discouragement, it is, it's, it's as its name represents. It's a loss of courage. Discouragement. I have been taught for years Discouragement is a failure of your will. You, me, when we get in down in the dumps, the blues, discouraged, it's a failure of the will. It's the surrender of your spirit to the dark side, self-pity, discouragement. And what I want to do in closing, I just want to, I want to bring you the Bible. I want to I just bring you scripture. I want to believe, I want to bring you what the Bible says. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 13. He says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men and be strong. See, I need to hear that, you know, when I've opened up the door to self-pity. I need to hear that when I've opened up the door of depression in my life. Stand fast in the faith of Jesus Christ. Act like a man. Be strong. Barnes' commentary on that verse, this is what he said. He says, this word occurs nowhere else in the New Testament, and it means to render one manly or brave. To show oneself a man, that is, not to be a coward or timid or alarmed at your enemies, but to be bold and brave. We have a similar phrase in common use. Be a man or show yourself a man. This, that is, don't, don't be mean or cowardly, but strong, fit, and steadfast. And so Paul says, Paul says, when the door opens up, that you need to stand strong in the faith in Jesus Christ. Be a man. Acts 11.24, he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people were added unto the Lord. This is talking about a man that doesn't get a lot of press in the Bible. His name is Barnabas. And the unique thing about this man by the name of Barnabas, he was a moral strength. He was like an anchor to everyone around him. There was a, a moral strength. This is what he was, a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and full of faith. See, that's what I need when I'm down in the dumps. Deuteronomy 31 verse 7, And Moses called unto Joshua, and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And so this is the scripture. I, you know, Moses is about to die, and the baton of leadership is being passed down to Joshua. And Moses knows everything that Joshua, all the battles, all the discouragement, all the weariness, and his parting words to his disciple Joshua is, Joshua, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to be strong and you're going to have to encourage yourself in the faith. Joshua 1.14, your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan but you shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor, and you shall help them. Judges 6.12, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And so here is the calling of God upon Gideon. And Gideon shaken, Gideon hiding, and 
And the angel of the Lord appearing to him and saying, God is with you. Rise up, you man of valor. See, that's what I need to hear. That's what I need to do to encourage myself. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. And I can't give in to depression. I can't feed it. I can't give in to the dark side of my person. It's a bad day when I, when I give in to self-pity and I says, take me, I'm yours. 1 Kings eleven twenty eight, And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. Finally, Nehemiah eleven fourteen, And the brethren, mighty men of valor, 128. And their overseer was Zabdiel the son of one of the great men. I'm reading these scriptures that are talking about mighty men of valor. It's a, it's a great title of, of God's men in the days of the Bible and in, in, in the word of God. Is that these were men of moral strength, men of valor, men that knew how to deal with the enemy, men that knew how to defeat the enemy. I'm talking about this morning the power of God to change your circumstances, the power of the Word of God. Not a psychiatrist, not a psychologist, but just as an understanding that if you don't deal with depression now, it's going to blow up. If you don't deal with it when it's small, it's going to get big, and it's going to get bigger. The writer says, life is like a horse. Ride it or it will ride you. And you have to decide what you're going to do this morning. Call, call discouragement what it is. Or it will become a full-blown lead self-pity and indulgence. You need to trust in God. Thirteen times our text says it and I'm done. Thirteen times our text says it. Thirteen. Hope in God. Hope in God. Hope means a favorable and a confident expectation that God is going to meet me and God is going to help me and God has the answers and he has the solutions. And this is a start to a powerful, powerful deliverance in your mind over discouragement and depression. Let's bow our heads. Heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. It's a spirit. Doctors, what they can do is they, they can prescribe you medication. It doesn't solve the problems. All they try to do is, is, is put a Band-Aid on the symptoms. As you could be taking medication all the day 